Are you excited about what God's doing in kids' ministry at New Spring Church? Folks, what happens here on this campus with kids every week is just incredibly rare. I just don't know where else it happens. And so we, we definitely are hoping that you'll make the decision to partner with us and be a part of that. Well, uh, I don't have a lot of time this morning, but I just want to talk with you about something. And uh, I think um, being in ministry has been interesting for me in a lot of ways. I've learned a lot of different things. But one of the things that's been cool for me is... Uh, at both churches I've been at, right around October, everything starts to reorient and planning starts to happen for the next year. And I've actually begun to take a little bit of that in a personal sense. I've kind of gotten to the point where I sort of like that. Now I've got about a month and a half to really be thinking about what is it that I want to see happen in my life in the next year. Instead of, you know, I used to sit there on New Year's Eve, you know, waiting for the ball to drop, thinking, well, I wonder what my New Year's resolution is going to be this year, right? That's not enough time, right? So I, I, now I've I kind of gotten used to that. All right, it's mid-October. What do I want to see happen in my life in the next year? And I want to talk to you about what I've really been thinking about. And that is that in, in 2013, I want to be a person for whom God opens doors. I don't know. Have, has anybody here ever felt like God just really opened a door for you? I mean, you know, there are some opportunities that are just, you know, normal opportunities. When your friends ask you, you want to go with Spangles, that's a normal opportunity, Right. But then there are some opportunities that are God-sized opportunities. And you know that when they come your way, that it's going to change your life forever. Things are going to be different on the other side of it. I mean, I remember, you know, it's, it's been just a little over 10 years ago, just right outside those doors right there in the foyer area, um, bumping into a young lady. And I mean literally bumping into a young lady, you know, out there. And I had known her for a, for a lot of my life. And, and uh, you know, as w when that happened and we, we ended up talking for a minute, I really sensed that God was beginning to open up a door, you know. I mean, I really did. I'm like, I think God's opening a door. So I continued to keep talking to her, you know. And uh, we started to spend a little time together. She told me she wasn't looking for a relationship. I told her I wasn't looking for a relationship. And that relationship we weren't looking for a couple months later turned into a marriage. And that marriage has been going 10 years now. And, and uh, we're thankful for that. Yeah. Now, you are the third service that I have said, I hope you are clapping for Wendy because she's the one who deserves it, being married 10 years to me. Six years ago, it's been about six years ago, um, I felt God moving in my heart. Wendy and I had talked about it for a while. I felt God moving in my heart that he was opening a door of opportunity to, for me to leave the secular industry that I was in. I, w I was doing well. I was successful. Um, but I really felt that God had called me away from that and that God was calling me into ministry. And I have to tell you, that was a scary time because it wasn't like God had said, this is what I want you to do specifically, and this is specifically where I want you to go. I just really felt that God was calling me away from what I was doing and, and, and wanting me to go into ministry. I, I remember walking down the aisle of the First Baptist Church of Edmond, Oklahoma, where we happened to be at the time, and telling my pastor, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what God's wanting for me to do, but I do know that I feel like he's calling me into ministry. And I won't never forget that it was, it was just a couple months later that that same pastor called me up on the phone and said, Jonathan, you're not going to believe this, but I think we have an opportunity for you. We've got a full-time position. Would you be interested in coming on? And that started a journey in my life, and I have loved every day since then. God has, has given me a passion for it. And even beyond that, there's even been a new open door since then, about three years ago, when God called me to New Spring Church. Um, it's really interesting. One of the responsibilities that I, I was issued coming here was to work with couples who were getting ready to get married and then couples who were struggling in their marriage. And, and I didn't know, you know much about that. It was, it was something that I ended up uh, doing a lot of work to study for and, and, and you know doing a lot of work with couples. And I didn't know, you know, was God really going to do something with that or not? And let me 
tell you what, there are few passions in my life that I have gotten so much out of as God giving me the opportunity to work with couples. I, I, it's narcotic and I love it and I would do it every day if I could. You know, I think about the most significant parts of who I am as a human being, a, a husband first of all, a father, a minister, a, 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 a couple's pastor, and the parts that I would say are the most defining parts of me are things that were doors God opened for me. They were not things I picked for myself. They were opportunities that God engineered in my life. And there are some of you in this room for whom that really strikes a chord because you know that who you are today is a product of the open doors that God has placed in your life. And so for me, as I'm thinking about what do I want next year, what do I want to see God do in my life, and how do I want to, you know, what, what would I consider a win be for 2013, it's that I want as much of that in my life as possible. I want as many open doors as God will be willing to open for me in 2013. And so that led me to a question. It, and the question is, how do I become the kind of person for whom God opens doors? I mean, how do I, because let's face it. God does open doors with discretion. He's not into wasting opportunities. I'll give you, an, I'll give you for instance, the, uh, the Israelites. And we're going to talk this morning about the Israelites. It's going to be kind of hard for me to talk to you about them because this really represents two groups of people. So I'm going to try to splay them out here for you, okay? The, the Israelites, God, they, they were in slavery, and they called out to God, and they said, God, get us out of Egypt, get us out of slavery. And so God called his people out of Egypt, and he, he worked these miracles to get them out of Egypt, took them across the desert, had this promised land, this place for him that he had promised to them that was really an incredible place for them to live. They got there. They were right on the cusp of walking over into the promised land. And think of all the things God had done for them. He got them out of slavery, helped them cross the Red, uh, the Red Sea. Now they're at this moment of destiny, and at a moment of destiny, they saw the challenges of the promised land. They said, man, there are giants there, and they're going to kill us. And they said, we don't want to go. And so God said, okay, fine. You know what? You don't want to go into the promised land? No problem. I'm going to let you guys walk around the desert for 40 years until you die off, and your kids will get to be the ones who go into the promised land. So it's going to be difficult for me this morning because when I talk about the Israelites, I'm talking about the parents and the kids, all right? So just to, just to you know, splay them out, whenever I refer to the parents, we're going to call those the whiny wimps, okay? All right, the whiny wimps, right? And that would be a great name for a football team, wouldn't it? The whiny wimps. All right. Anyway, so the whiny wimps, the, the reason really that these guys are interesting to me is these are people for whom God had been opening doors. He got them out of Egypt. That was an open door. He, he parted the Red Sea for them. That was an open door. But at a moment of destiny, they choked and God closed the door. And that is what I do not want to have happen in my life. I do not want to have God close doors on me. But then for, his, for their kids, God opened the doors up again. So I want to look at those two groups of people and find out what's different between them and how can I be the kind of person for whom God opens doors. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you four things. They won't be on the screen, but I'm going to give you four things that classifies a person for whom God opens doors and will be done. Here's the first one. If you want to be a person for whom God opens doors, you need to fear failure more than difficulty. You need to fear failure more than difficulty. Do any of y'all have small kids, little kids, right? I see the hands going up across the room. So those of you who have small kids, right, and you take car trips, right? That's funny in and of itself, but you, you, have, you have small kids and you take car trips. You ever played the 30 million questions game with your kids, you know? Where are we going? When are we going to get there? How long is it going to be? Are we there yet? Where's the food? Can we stop and go to the restroom? You know, you got 500 questions. Can you imagine being one of these Israelites with a little two or three-year-old? 
You're walking around the desert, 40 years, you know. You, 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 you know, you're walking around the desert. Can you see this little two, three-year-old? Hey, Mom, Dad, what you doing? Well, sweetheart, we're walking around the desert. Why? Because that's what we do. When are we going to get there? Well, we're not going to get there. Why? Because mom and dad are just walking around the desert. Why? Because we didn't do what God told us to do. You know, you try to give these little ones short answers, right? But, but that never is good enough, you know. What's for breakfast? Okay, now here's the thing, right? God has to feed these whiny wimps in, in the desert, right? So he sends down bread on the ground every morning, you know, when they wake up, there's bread on the ground, and that's all they have to eat in the mornings, right? So, I mean, after a while, they get a little bored with this, because, I mean, even if you're eating Cocoa Puffs for breakfast, I mean, Cocoa, co cocoa Puffs are good, right? But if you have Cocoa Puffs for breakfast every morning, right, after a while, it's, a, you know, it kind of gets a little boring, right? But, you know, the little two or three-year-old, what's for breakfast? Manna. Uh-huh. When we can eat something else? When you're all grown up. Can you imagine what it was like once these little two- or three-year-olds got to be teenagers? Now the discussion's a little different. So, Mom, Dad, run this past me again. <laughs> We're walking around the desert, because why? Well, son, I told you, it's because it's God said we got to walk around the desert, you know, and, and, until you guys grow up, and then you can go in and take the promised land. Oh, yeah, the promised land, the promised land. That's where they have real food. Yeah. Doritos and pizza. Doritos. So why are we not there now? Can you just run, me run that past me again? Why are we not there now? Well, son, I told you there were giants there. Right. The giants. That's why we're walking around in circles in the desert. All joking aside, once those teenagers got to be adults... There wasn't anything funny about those giants. Those giants are what stood between them and their full destiny, and they got it. They understood it. See, their parents were afraid of giants, but their kids were afraid of being afraid of giants. They were afraid of failure. They had figured it out. They said, look, hey, you know what? What caused the most difficulty in our life were not the scary things that were challenging us on the other side of, of what God had called us to. It was the fact that we got scared of the scary things, and we didn't take God at his word. That's why we're in all this trouble, and they feared failure more than difficulty, and those are the kind of people for whom God opens doors. I don't know if that resonates with you, but you know that if you're in an open door moment in your life, if God has called you to something, it's an opportunity. You know that walking across the threshold of this moment means that everything on the other side of that threshold will be different than what you've ever experienced before. You know it's scary. You know that it's difficult. There are things about this open door that when you think about it, they boggle your mind. Your mind gets stuck in that kind of feedback stress loop and you can't even think straight. It's difficult, it's scary, and it's stressful. But the thing about it is if you want to be the kind of person for whom God opens doors, you say, yeah, I can't afford to focus on the difficulties. I've got to focus on God because God is the one who's going to give me success in the difficulty. Let me read these instructions to you that God gave his people in Joshua 1. I'm going to start in verse 6. It says, be strong and courageous. 
For you are the one, this is God talking to Joshua, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. So be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction, that's God's word, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the scenario. These kids as parents, the whiny wimps, they have now died off, right? Now it's just the kids. These are the gener- this is the generation that's going to take the promised land. But what stands between them and getting into the promised land is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is at flood stage. Not only do they have all the giants and all the enemies that their parents were afraid of, now they've got a new challenge. They've got this river between them and where they need to be, and it's at flood stage, and God tells them to cross that river. And I want to tell you this. This is not my sermon this morning, but any time God gives you an open door in your life, there will always be three features of that open door, always three features of an open door that God gives you. One is there is a gift. God doesn't open a door for you unless there's a gift on the other side. A gift is something that you would not have if God weren't giving it to you. Right? God says, look, I have part of my riches, part of my grace. I'm providing for you on the other side of this doorway. There is always, God, God always gives a gift, and that is his nature. God is a giving God. In verse 2 it says, I want you to take these people across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. It's a gift. But second of all, there's always a promise. I could take you through open door after open door after open door in the Bible, and you will notice that God promises, a, he, he gives a gift, and then he states a promise. And usually it's about his presence and protection, which is exactly what it is here. In Joshua 1.5, he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For what? I will be with you as I was with Moses, and I will not fail you or abandon you. So there's a gift, and then there's a promise. But then thirdly, there's a challenge. God will not call you to an open door that there is no challenge to walk through. There will always be a challenge. Just as there was in Joshua 1.6 where God said, be strong and courageous and be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Open doors are never easy. Jordan was at flood stage. Tide ripping up and down the shoreline. They're camped out for three days watching this water go back and forth. Now keep in mind, right, these are kids been walking around the desert their whole life. It's not like they spent every weekend at the lake, right? So the idea of crossing this river is not something that, that seems real easy. But let me tell you something, and this may resonate with you today. If you're in the middle of going through a challenge in your life, you can probably relate to this. These kids had spent their life looking into the face of mediocrity. They had tasted and touched and felt failure. And once you've been through that, once you've experienced failure in your life, once you've seen mediocrity, a little water was not going to keep them from reaching God's full destiny in their life. And you know what that's like. Some of you, you're in this room and you've been through it. Your parents were, 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 were you know, they, they did their best, but maybe in many areas they were mediocre. They just weren't, they, they, they weren't reaching God's full potential in their life. And you felt the, the, the results of that. You actually had some of that trickle down into your life. And because you experienced that and you know what that's like, you know that you're now facing those same obstacles. Some of those same obstacles now that your parents faced are in your life. And God is telling you, you can face those obstacles. Don't let them scare you and, and, and cause you to shrink away from God's full destiny in your life. Caleb and Joshua, they, these guys were, were interesting because they were the only two guys who were over 20. Uh, they were part of the original Whiny Wimps gang. Uh, 
that would not, they would not allow themselves to get caught up in that culture. They, they went over and they looked at the land back, you know, back in the original, um, you know, when they sent the forward party over to look at the land. They came back and they said, we think, you know, God says we can take it. We think we can take it, you know. They refused to be part of the whiny wimp culture. And I, can I tell you that we need a generation of people in 2012 America, we need a generation of people who will refuse to be part of the whiny wimp culture and say, if God says we can do it, then it means we can do it. If God says you can be good parents, you can be good parents. If God says we can be good spouses, we can be good spouses. doesn't mean we won't fail. doesn't mean we won't mess up. But it does mean that when we see challenges and they come our way and they scare us and they cause us to think about shrinking back from opportunity, those are the moments for us to say, it doesn't matter that this challenge is here. God is bigger than the challenge. And since he's called me to it, I just think that it's possible. And so I'm going to go headlong into it, just as these children of Israel were willing to set foot in that water. Here's the second thing. The second thing is you need to look at obstacles as opportunities. You look at obstacles as opportunities. Here's what the Bible says in Joshua 1.9. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that word there, be strong, would probably be best translated, be tempered, be seasoned, Right? Some of you may have some, some tempered steel tools in your home. The, the idea of tempering was, was already known to these people and, 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 you know, all, all the way back then, so, so long ago. They were already pretty familiar with the idea of tempering. And tempering is something that we do to a material that we want to make less breakable, right? So we will subject, for instance, if you're tempering a metal, you will subject that metal to, the, to extreme conditions, right? To push it to the very edge of what it can handle molecularly so that then after a period of it coming back to its original state, it will be less breakable than it was before, right? And some of you know what that's like to have that happen in your life. You've been through extreme conditions in your life. You went right up into the edge of what felt like the breaking point. You went through, you know, some of you in this room, you've been through an illness and you didn't think you were going to make it, but God brought you through that illness and your body healed up. And now you know that emotionally you are less breakable than you were before you went into that. Some of you in this room, you've had a spouse walk away from you and people around you thought, oh, that person's just going to fall apart. But you didn't fall apart. You got close. You cried and you felt terrible on the inside. You went through all the emotions that are related to that and you really felt like you were up against the breaking point, but God brought you through it and now you know you are less breakable now than you were before you went through it. And God was saying to the children of Israel, I know you've been through a lot. I know you've spent 40 years walking around the desert, burying your parents and going through difficult times, eating nothing but manna and, and knowing that you're, you're the, what you're living through is a result of your parents' failure. And I know you've been through all this difficulty, but now let all of that tempering, let all of that, those things that pushed you to the edge of what you could handle, that, 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 that made you less breakable. Now take all that and let that make you resolved to take on the challenge that I have for you. Some of you right now, you're going through a tempering time right now. Right now, you feel like you are pushed to the edge. You just don't know how much more you can take. But can I encourage you today? This is a tempering time. You are in training. God is, God is going to take you through this. And when you come out of it, you will be stronger and less breakable after you come out of it than you were before you went into it. I don't have, I don't have time to say this, but I will anyway. When I was um, 
when I was in college, there was a, a Marine who was a few, re- few rooms down from me. He had been through his Marine commitment, and now he was getting his degree. So he was a little older than most of us on the hall, and, and uh, he was telling me about the Marines, and, and, and he said, Jonathan, the Marines are the best thing. He's like, they're awesome. He's like, you, you, he's like the first day you get there in boot camp, you, you work out until you throw up. <laughs> and he said the second day, he's like, you work out until you pass out. He's like, in the third day, you march until you can't feel your legs. And I said, you seem really happy about that. I'm like, that's a good thing. And he's like, you haven't seen my picture before I went into the Marines, right? This guy was huge, right? He's like, man, I was so wimpy before I went into the Marines. Well, you could have taken me, right? Y'all know what I'm saying. If, you, if you're a person who has a workout regimen, you're a person who's developed yourself physically, you know what it's like. You go through resistance in order for your body to rise to meet the challenge of the resistance so that you will be ready in the future to take on even bigger challenges. And that's what happens in our life. Right now, some of you are feeling resistance. You're going through times of difficulty. But you are going to rise to the challenge of that resistance through God's power. And when you rise to the challenge of that resistance, you will become stronger and more able to take on new challenges. And when God brings you to a bigger challenge, you will be ready for it when it comes. And that was what was happening with these people. I've got to hurry quickly. I want to take you to point three. And this may be the most important point I give you all morning. Third point is to stay with God. If you want to be a person for whom God opens doors, stay with God. This is what messed up the whiny wimps, folks, you know. They, they just wouldn't stay with God. God said, okay, here we're going. That's the open door right over there we're going to go through. And we're going to go through the open door. And he looks, looks back, and they've gone off somewhere, right? And I'm a parent of a young child, so I know what it means when you get down like this and you tell your child, stay with me, right? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There's a point in which God says, look, if you want to go through the open door, if you want to go with me, if you want the best in your life, don't go off, just as the, as the challenge said in the, in the text, and God said, don't go to the right or to the left. He's saying, look, if, if, you want to, if, if, if you want to reach your full potential, stay with me. I love people watching at the mall. You learn a lot about people at the mall. You watch a, watch a two-year-old get separated from their parents, right, by like three feet, you know. And the two-year-old's, you know, really upset. Right? Watch a 12-year-old get separated from their parents at the mall. And they're wiping the sweat off their brow. I'm so glad they're finally gone. Thought I was never going to get rid of them, right? What's the difference? Well, Jonathan, you know, the 12-year-old has just gotten to the point where they feel like they've outgrown needing to stay with their parents. And that's fair enough. But can I tell you that for us as God followers, we should never get to the point that we feel like we have outgrown needing to stay with our Heavenly Father. God says, if you want the best in your life, if you want my best in your life, you need to stay with me. And I want to read you a verse out of Numbers, Numbers 14, 22. This is God talking to the whiny wimps about what's going to happen to them because they choked at a moment of destiny. In Numbers 14, it says this, not one of these people will enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I perform both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by what? Refusing to listen to my voice. He's like, they just won't stay with me. 
They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But now look at this. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, this is one to underline. It says, but my servant Caleb has a different what? He has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me. So I'll bring him into the land he explored. Maybe you can agree with me on this, but would you agree with me that our culture is a little confused about what obedience means? I think there's been a lot of over-controlling types that have tried to use obedience as a way of forcing people into a box, get them to do what they want, want them to do. So maybe that's part of why obedience is a confusing concept. But can I tell you what obedience is really about? It's about an attitude of loyalty. And God is saying, hey, if you want me to open doors for you, I have to know that you're going to be a person who has an attitude of loyalty. When I ask you to do something, you're going to do it. When I tell you to go somewhere, you're going to go where I tell you to go. Why? Because I have the best in mind for you. I would not tell you to do something if it wasn't in your best interest. I would not ask you to go somewhere if it were not in your best interest. And God is saying, if you really want what's best for you, you will be loyal to me. important. Because when those priests walked up to the edge of the Jordan River, God said, I'm not going to stop the flow of water until they put their foot in the water. And maybe you're there right now. Maybe you'd say, you know what? I know God's calling me to this. I know this is an opportunity God has called me to. I know it's something that I'm supposed to do, but right now it's scary. I'm looking at that water that I'm supposed to cross over, and it is really difficult, and I'm, a, I'm very afraid. It is as though God has said, I'm not going to do anything until you actually set foot in this situation. Why? Because God's saying, hey, I'm wondering, is there an attitude of loyalty? You can do what I asked you to do. Because that is when he can open doors. And I've got to hurry quickly. Let me give you the fourth point quickly. And that is this. If you want to be a person for whom God opens doors, you need to remember. You need to remember. What do I mean by that? I mean that God opens doors for people who understand the significance of open doors. See, God told his people, he said, when you cross the Jordan River, I want you to take 12 stones from the bottom of that riverbed, and I want you to hoist them up out of there and make a memorial on the other side of the river so that when your children, this is God speaking, he said, when your children ask you what those stones mean, you can tell them, hey, that is when God parted the water for us and we were able to go over into the promised land, not because of what we did, but because of what God did. And can I tell you right now, if I have a concern for Jonathan Hoover, it is that there have been so many doors that God has opened for me and he did incredible, miraculous, wonderful things to get me to where I am right now that what I'm afraid of is that I will forget what God has done for me. I'm afraid that I'll get into a new challenge. And I, I'm telling you, I'm, I have lived this recently. I'll get into a new challenge that has new difficulties and new problems. And I will get so stressed out and so worried. And I will think, God, are you going to fix this? Are you going to take care of this? God, are, are we going to end up in trouble? Are we going to end up with problems? Are you going to come in and save the day? And it's as though God said, Jonathan, don't you remember? Don't you remember how I opened that door for you, you know, back in 2001? Don't you remember how I, how, how, how I brought you through this difficult circumstance in 2004? Don't you remember when you went through this? Why, why is it so difficult for you to go back and say, God did it back then, he can do it again? And God is saying, you want me to open doors for you, then you need to be the kind of person who has those symbols in their life who says, you know what, I know this looks difficult and I know this looks stressful, but I trust God because he did it for me before and I know he has my best interest at heart. So even though it looks difficult, I can go back to those stones and say, this is a memorial to the fact that God brought me through then, he will bring me through now. 
And I don't know where this touches you this morning, but Isaiah 43, I don't have this, I didn't give this to the tech team, but I printed this off this morning before I came out to speak. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3 says this, and it's a precious passage to many of us, and as we were talking earlier about tempering, I think it really fits. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, just like in our story, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I don't know where you're at this morning. I know that a lot of people in this room are stressed out because uh, I, I can vouch for one person being stressed out, and that's the person who's talking to you right now. But can I tell you, it is not about the situation that is stressing you out right now. It is about, it is about who God is in your life because God is bigger than your situation. And he loves you, and he will take you through it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your provision, your protection, your willingness to take us through difficult times, your willingness to open doors for us, even, even when we don't even know what the door is that we need open. You open it for us anyway, and Father, we thank you so much for that. While heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, I'm already in overtime, but I want to do two things quickly. In a moment, if you've never started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But before I do that, while everybody's heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, I want to do something special. If you would say, Jonathan, I need God to open a door in my life right now. I'm in a situation right now where I desperately need God to step in and open the door. And Jonathan, I would like you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. I just need God to open a door for me right now. There's hands up all over this room. Leave your hand up. Let me pray for you. Father, I just bring to you every one of these individuals who has a hand raised in this moment. And Father, they know what, they know what they're going through, but you know what they need. And so I ask you, Father... In Jesus' name, to meet their needs, Father, as you have promised you will, that you will step in, and Father, you will open the door that needs opening. And Father, we love you and we trust you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You can put your hands down. Quickly, before we leave, if you're in this room and you would say, Jonathan, as you were speaking, I realized I've never had a personal relationship with God. That's something I don't have in my life. How could I have that? Here's the important thing you need to know. God has already done all the hard work. All that remains is for you to say yes to him. Yes, you believe in him. Yes, you want his free gift of salvation. So I'm going to say the words to a very simple prayer. And you can say this silently in your head to God. And if you want to have it settled this morning, you can. Here's that prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. I know I've done wrong things. I know I can't get to heaven on my own. This morning I accept your free gift of heaven and forgiveness. I believe in you, Jesus. Now would everybody look this way? If you're in this room and you just prayed that prayer, we have some materials we'd like to put in your hand. We've got a packet we've put together. It has a little booklet that my dad wrote and a DVD and a voucher for a free Bible. We just want to get that in your hands. You can take that talk to us card that you received when you came in. You can fill out your information, check the box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. You can take that to guest services through these center doors back here. There's also guest services by the coffee shop, and they will get that to you with no hassle. Thank you for being here this morning. Ryan.